Welcome, everybody, to the Gameology Podcast. I'm your host, Matt. I'm with permanent co-host, Attila. Hello there. And we are doing a deep dive into a game Attila is not too happy about. It is Paper Mario. Sticker Star. Yeah, this is, um, as a lot of people might know, um, I really love the Paper Mario franchise. Like it's, it's, uh, I played the original um, on the N64. Uh, I played the Thousand Year Dark game on the GameCube. And then, oh man, I was so excited when the Super Paper Mario was coming out on the Wii. That wasn't a Paper Mario game. But we're not even going to talk about that one because I'm going to talk about the most egregious offender, Paper Mario Sticker Star, because this was so damn close. So, so close to being the Paper Mario game that I wanted, except they completely broke the um, combat mechanic, which was integral to the game experience. And... This isn't just an opinion piece about, you know, I'm going to talk about how much I dislike it. I have some well-composed reasons here about why I think they broke it and really what they could have done to improve it. Um, let's just get a couple of uh, surface details out of the way first. Um, for those who don't know, the Paper Mario series is well known for being like an active RPG. It's still turn-based, but when you attack, you have the ability to... Um, perform added uh, button inputs at a given time. Like if you go to jump, as you land on the enemy, if you tap the A button, you deal an additional point of damage. And in the in Thousand Year Door, they, they really added on to that with the um, addition of the stylish mechanic, where if I tap A in mid-jump, Mario will like throw his hands out and do like a, a fancy move. And then I'll land on the enemy and then I can do like another fancy dive um, back off of them. And that influences my star power, which I can then use to perform um, super special attacks. So, And that was genius because JRPGs could be criticized for being extremely boring of where you're just mindlessly pressing the action button to just get through and just like attack, attack, attack. If, and this made you riveted to it and it was very engaging because you had to watch and time it to yeah, the second. Exactly, exactly. You would have, um, and you know, similarly on your enemy's turn, you could perform a guard against their attack, which would reduce their damage by one point, or you could even perform a even more timing-specific super guard, which would nullify damage that you take and actually deal a point of damage back to them. So it made for a very engaging combat system, and it's something that I absolutely love and adore. And then they introduced um, stickers into this whole mix, and... That's the, the whole shtick with Paper Mario Sticker Star, is the addition of the stickers. And basically, what that manifested itself in as a, um, a game mechanic is it replaced your attacks with items. So can you imagine a RPG system where you don't have attacks, everything is an item, everything is a consumable, you can run out of your jump ability. You can run out of your hammer ability because you just didn't have enough stickers. And is the point of this so that you have to go around and collect all of these things? Yeah, like you, you, you would, you would pick up like enemies would liberally drop items. Like I, I wouldn't say that you'd ever run out of your average jump abilities, but you'd probably run out of your good jump abilities. Um, you know, maybe there are people who are coming into Paper Mario Sticker Star for the first time and they haven't played previous games in the franchise. And they were kind of down with this whole system. Um, but just given what I 
and perhaps a lot of fans of the series really expected from previous entries, this whole sticker mechanic broke a lot of things. Um, very specifically, um, I should mention that when I played through the game, I found something called a first order optimal strategy, which I should define what that is. Basically, it's something that is incredibly easy to perform, which has a very high return, and is something that I can use to bypass like 90% of the situations in the game. Um, in particular, the Koopa Shell item that you can get in the game, um, it's an incredibly easy attack to use. Uh, you just jump on a Koopa and he hits all enemies for massive damage, usually killing them in one hit. Uh, in the early game, you can use the green Koopa Shell, and the in the later game, you can use the red Koopa Shell. Um, obviously, Koopa Shell items are relatively rare, um, that they don't get dropped by enemies very often, but you can just go to the store and fill your sticker book with them. And even though they're expensive, the uh, bonus that you're awarded with for killing all enemies in a single turn basically covers the cost of a Koopa Shell. Oh, okay. So you so, get like an infinite loop. Yeah, exactly. And you, you, you can just use this to plow through absolutely every single enemy in the game just because it's, it's so easy to perform and... You know, I, I already wasn't having fun with the game, um, so I just said, oh, hell with it. I'll, I, I still want to get through this at least once to see if it ever gets good. Um, so I just relied on that to sort of carry me through the experience. It was much easier than it otherwise should have been. Um, but then you would run up against um, the bosses in the game, for which obviously you can't use a single item. Like That, that would be ridiculous. Oh, wait, that's how they designed the whole game. Every single boss has a specific item, which if you use it on them, it's an instant kill, or almost an instant kill. So they're just basically like a door, and you're trying to find the key. Yeah, and in this Is case... Is it possible to beat them without without the oh, special It's It's sticker? possible, it's just ridiculously <laughs> hard, and... The, the 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 what the game would do is that because of this is on the 3ds, you would discover just like objects in the game, like a fan or a pair of scissors. And you can imagine using scissors on paper is very devastating effect. But the weird thing they would do is they would say, "Okay, you found this 3D object. That's in your inventory now. Can you use it?" Nope. You have to travel all the way back to the game's hub town where you stickerify the 3d object like you, you take the the thing out of your inventory press it flat put it back in your inventory as a sticker which takes up like half a page of your sticker book um and that that's the other main issue is that your, your sticker book has limited space so you can only carry around so many of these um and compounding this issue is the fact that before you get into an encounter with one of these boss enemies, it's almost impossible to know which um, one of these like instant kill items you need to beat them. So I think you can see where there's a, a bit of like a compounding problem here. You have a finite amount of space. You can't carry all these around with you. You end up encountering the boss, and only then do you find out, oh, okay, I need this item to defeat them. So you're practically guaranteed to die to the boss at least once, then have to leave the level that the boss is in, trek all the way back to the town, stickerify the item that you need, trek all the way back to the boss, and then fight him. And they even knew this. They even designed the levels around this where, like, if you get all the way to the end, you would, like, unlock some shortcut within the boss level that made it so you didn't have to play through the entire thing all over again. Um... 
like there would be like a warp pipe that they add to the beginning of the level that takes you right to the boss. But just the fact that they accounted for like that they they knew they knew that they were doing something that was just like terrible the fact that you you have to lose to the boss that that, that you end up in this encounter and there are no environmental clues to um let you know of like oh this is what i need um for example one of the first bosses you fight um second boss maybe in the game um is a pokey and it's a giant towering pokey and you go up a lift to end up in the boss arena where you immediately encounter him, that arena looks like a baseball stadium and a pokey is made up of a bunch of balls. So you figure like, oh, okay, I'm in a baseball stadium. Pokey looks like a bunch of balls. I guess I need the baseball item. Give up, die, go back to Toad Town, stickerify the baseball bat, warp back to pokey, fight him. But just... The, the fact that you ex- basically expect the player to fail at least once per boss encounter, unless they, you know, use a whole bunch of stickers to and, and perform exceptionally well against the boss. Um, which, by the way, those instant kill items that you use against the boss, um, they have no action commands associated with them. Like the, it, it goes back to like the, the tired RPG trope of let's like use item or use attack stand back, watch it happen. There's no execution challenge based on the use of these, like, instant kill items. Um, so it's just a matter of, like, you know, knowing that's what you have to use against them. Um, and there are plenty of cases where it's not obvious that a uh, specific item will have a specific effect in the game. Um, one of the battles you get into very late in the game um, there are enemies cutting coming out of uh, shutters in the background, and you're supposed to know that you have to use the stapler sticker to staple those shutters shut. And it's it's I don't know it it, it it's remarkably unintuitive in a lot of ways. It, it makes me think of uh, if Paper Mario and say the Thousand Year Door was the ultra refinement of jrpgs mm-hmm. and they willed off all of the worst parts of rpgs and kept only the best it's like where all those worst parts went ended up in sticker star yeah pretty much like they i mean the if even they made it so that different um instant kill items were effective against at least more than one boss then you'd at least have a reason for carrying them around i mean a pair of scissors will do you well against any boss in the game that's just a given but you know you, you have a very finite number of scissors that you can find in the game i think they might recur on a specific level so you can always go back and get another pair of scissors but um added to that they have like a museum feature in the game for which you need to contribute one of every single sticker which means you basically need to find all these 3d objects at least twice if you're a completionist which i was so often i would get some awesome powerful sticker that i was supposed to use in combat and then it's like oh well i'm gonna have a miserable time now because i want to save it for this museum so again, I feel like there would have been a better way of handling that experience. Um, so on to the sort of um, what I promised at the front of like the ways I I thought about fixing this. I mean, I, I really do see this as a fundamentally broken system. Like it's interesting to make all your attacks items in an RPG, um, but the the core issue of doing this is that you can run out of certain attack types that you really need to defeat certain enemies 
and you don't know which items you need to tackle them ahead of time. So like if you just simply made it so that there was no limit on inventory space, you could paperize every single um, 3D object automatically. I mean, hell, if they just took out the damn uh, fetch quest of like, you have to go back to Toad Town to um, turn the 3D object into an attack that you can use, that would completely solve this problem. Well, the main problem of like, forcing you to die to the boss at least once, forcing you to leave and come back. Because if you just see, oh, I'm in a baseball stadium, I guess I should use the baseball bat. But you, and you have the baseball bat, so you can just use it right away. I don't know, it, it uh, at least cuts out the back and forth and the frustrating bit of having to die to the boss. Um, but more specifically, if you had at least an unlimited number of basic attacks, like you were never limited on the number of jumps and hammer attacks that you could use, um, I feel like that would go a great way towards remedying, like, you know, maybe more emphasis on inventory-based combat, but not entirely. Like, basically, the, the inventory management took mana out of the game, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the, the, like the, the pool of energy from which you draw to use specific, uh, like, special attacks, that was your item use in this game, um, just using more rare stickers. But, again, just because you're using a more rare sticker doesn't mean it is any harder to use. There's no difference in the execution challenge from using it. And as I said, the most powerful of all these stickers that you can possibly use have no execution challenge associated with them whatsoever. I guess it comes down to why do we actually play a game? And I'm struggling to find where is the rewarding factor in this game other than just bashing your head against the wall until you find it. And then it's, it's like giving somebody a very, very low-skilled job that takes zero brain thought, but not even giving them the tools to do it. Uh, and then making them fail at digging a hole and then telling them there's a shovel 20 minutes away that they need to go pick up. Yeah, I think you've really struck the nail on the head there. I mean, one of the great um, mechanics that you had in both previous games was something called the tattle ability. And that was um, associated with the like first partner character that you get in both games. And what it would do is it makes enemies' health visible, so you know how many hit points they have. Um, it would outline any specific weaknesses that the character would have. And if they had made Tattle a sticker in this game, it would mean that you would, you know, use it on an enemy, and then it would be up to you as the player to remember what those vulnerabilities and weaknesses are. So, like, naturally, as you progress through the game, you're carrying less Tattle stickers and more, like, impact stickers. Um, and then if they just had more classes of stickers that had like strengths and weaknesses against specific times of enemies or types of enemies, that would make the whole mechanic, uh, the whole experience much more satisfying because otherwise, as you said, it's either like not clear at all what you're supposed to be doing or so blatantly obvious, but out of reach. And that's just, both of those are frustrating experiences and not something that you want out of a game. Uh, is, is the story worth going through for, uh, I mean, technically there's a story. Uh, it follows much more along the lines of a traditional Mario game in that it's broken up into levels um, with, like, they're, they're sort of weird, though, because they're, like, levels that, you, that are spread out across a world map, which makes it, I guess, easier for backtracking. Like, at least to get back to Toad Town, all you have to do is walk out and leave a level and then go to Toad Town, hop into it on the world map, walk through toad town to get to the stickerifying place and so on right but it's not um it's not an rpg it's, epic yeah exactly um 
And just by nature of that sort of level-based division of the game, there isn't much of a story to be spoken of at all. Like, you don't have partners in the game. Um, in all the previous Paper Mario games, a lot of the dialogue and a lot of the intrigue came um, from the like motivations and challenges that your partners faced, you know, with Mario just being a sort of blank slate player insert. So Teaming when, up with Bowser. Yeah. Um, in the original Mario RPG, not yeah. necessarily in any of the other uh, Paper Mario games. But, it, it, you know, Bowser has motivations and, you know, Mario's motivation is save the princess, save the day. Um, but it's it's the other characters that you would team up with that created the more interesting parts of the story. And that doesn't happen in this game. So it's, yeah, it fails even on that front. So I guess as a game designers to take away from this, you want to have, it's a very, very simple and very obvious is that people need to feel uh, a challenge that is fair and, and they want to feel... To to achieve that rewarding feeling, you need to have the ability to solve a problem on the first try if if you've been paying enough attention. And and like, how cool would it have been? Like you said, uh, once you realize that it's a baseball stadium, if you can like look into your sticker star book. But even on the way, if people gave out little clues or like mm-hmm. little maybe little phrases, uh, maybe they were like peanuts and cracker jacks or something. But um, since it's a Japanese game, they're probably not gonna use quotes from an English game about baseball. But you know what I mean? Just seeing more wood or something or like anything at all. Telegraphing information to the player. That's it. That's how you summarize what I'm meandering about. So I guess that's really what you come away with is that it has without it. There is zero point really to play this game other than it's it's not even just tedious fun because there's the amount of backtracking in this game just sounds absolutely insane. Visual design ten out of ten. It was a beautiful like papercraft world. It's about the only positive thing I have to say about this game. Yeah, when you want to be visually blown away, just grab a three DS. Is it, how's the three D effects on it? I turn them off. I think that's that's what most people say, right? They just they turn off the effects. Um, because, you know, they're, in theory, they should be helping you with the 3D platforming that you're trying to do. Um, they should. They don't seem to. You know, the, I, I think that people can get by just fine by, like, having a shadow placed underneath their character and have that as a direct representation of where they are in a 3D space. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing with 3D films. I rarely ever feel like it adds something. And I've never, I've never watched 2D films in the past and thought, like, I can't tell who's in front of who. Mm-hmm. It's very obvious. I mean, there are, like, Avatar, of course, where the technology was built for it. And some, some films where it, it can feel a little more immersive. But uh, I'm surprised. I don't have a 3DS, but I thought if I had one, I'd have it on all the time. Do you, do you turn it off because of uh, battery power? Yeah, mostly. Like, I, I was actually determined um, to leave 3D on and when I was playing my 3DS games for the longest time. And I, I mentioned this, and some one of my friends, one of my friends of friends just looked at me and was like, you're going to go blind. Uh, I, that's not true. Like, you know, they, they say that it's, like, harmful for children under the age of six, but it, it's, I, I don't, it's not because I fear any adverse health, effect, health effects of uh, turning these, the 3D off, but it just, it simply... It, it, it honestly just wasn't adding anything to the experience. Um, and very frequently you have to hold it at such a specific angle mm-hmm. um, to get it to actually work properly. I know that that's something they fixed on the latest model of like the new 3DS. That they actually like use advanced facial tracking to sort of compensate and make the 3D work much better. But for the 3DS model XL that I have, it just it wasn't quite there. So as much as I would use it whenever possible, especially it's a handheld system. You're trying to play this thing on the go. You're getting like yeah. bumped and jostled on the train or whatever, and it, you, you lose the 3D effect so quickly, and it just it quickly becomes a, a negative experience. So that's why I would end up turning it off. Well, there you go. Turn off the 3D and don't turn on Super Paper Mario Sticker Star. Close enough. All right, well, you can... Uh 
email comments or uh, rants or questions to gamethingtalk at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at gamethingtalk. And you, Attila? You can find me um, on my website at bluishgreenproductions.com, where I will be posting my extended thoughts on the topics that we discuss on the show. And that's also where you'll find a convenient little submit button where you can post your comments and questions to the show, some of which we might even answer. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Bluish Green Pro. Thanks for listening.